I invite you to look at this pet. Quite a pet, isn't it? There isn't any water in this pet. Pretty ominous looking hole in the ground. Now I want you to also envision not just this waterless pit, this ominous looking hole in the ground. I want you to envision a 17-year-old teenage young man stuck, trapped in this waterless pit. His hands are bound, his feet are tied, his eyes are flooded with tears, his throat is parched from screaming for help. His brothers, big point here, (laughs) his brothers are sitting at the top of the pit eating and drinking. And this 17-year-old young teenage man, he's screaming at the top of his lung, let me out. All of this sounds like a TV reality show, doesn't it? But it's not, not at all. It's a story in the Bible. It's a story about this 17-year-old young teenage man whose name is Joseph. Joseph and his brothers, remember his brothers, are 60 miles away from home. 60 miles away from the watchful eye of their father, Jacob. And 60 miles away from Jacob means these brothers can be big bullies against their little brother whose name is Joseph. This is what Genesis chapter 37 tells us about it. They, these are the brothers, they stripped him, that's Joseph, the 17-year-old, of his robe, you know this, the robe of many colors that he wore, And they took him and threw him into a waterless pit. Stripped, took, threw. Those are murderous verbs. Stripped, took, threw into a waterless pit. No wonder Joseph screams, let me out. It's not as though Joseph woke up that morning. And said to himself, hey, today I'm going to get thrown in a waterless pit. I better pack some extra food, some water, and put on padded clothing. No. Joseph didn't see this coming. Joseph didn't see this coming at all. The attack took him by a complete surprise. So did ours. On December 31st, 2019, the Chinese government alerted the World Health Organization that they were having problems with a virus in Wuhan, China, a city of 11 million people. On January 11th, 2020, the first fatality from the coronavirus happened. A 61-year-old man who lived in Wuhan. Most of us at this point said what? What happens in China stays in China. (laughs) 
wrong. March was full of madness. Corona mania, if you want to coin a term. The NBA season suspended. Major League Baseball spring training closed. The NCAA basketball tournament canceled. Then on March 13th, the stock market crashed. On that same day, the United States of America declared a state of emergency. To date, to date, over 1.5 million people on the planet have had coronavirus and over 90,000 have died. Stripped, took, threw into a waterless pit. <laughs> Let me out. God has something to say about this. Many of you know we've been looking at the prophet in the Old Testament named Zechariah for the last several months. Tonight we come to Zechariah chapter 9. God says this, I will set your prisoners free from the waterless pit. Prisoners. <laughs> That's what a pandemic does to us, right? It makes us prisoners. Prisoners to <laughs> what's going on on the stock market, maybe on an hourly basis. A prisoners to the television and the news, prisoners to anxiety and fear, uh, prisoners in our very own homes. <laughs> prisoners just like Joseph. Uh, you see the connection, of course. Uh, Zechariah quotes God as saying, I will set your prisoners free from the waterless pit. With that term waterless pit, Zechariah wants us to make connections, as he quite often does in his book, to make connections to earlier parts of the Old Testament. In this case, Zechariah wants us to connect our situation with whose? Joseph's. A Joseph. A Joseph screaming. Joseph desperate. Joseph asking just for a little help from his brothers, his brothers. <laughs> Joseph's story, you see, is our story. And the story is in a waterless pit. Who wants us to stay stuck in hopelessness and despair? Who wants us to stay stuck yelling at our children? Giving up faith and hope in God. Who wants us to just give in, give out, and give up? You know. Who? The Bible calls him the ancient serpent, who was devil and Satan. Satan wants us to think that our permanent address is what? Waterless pit. Martin Luther heard this voice, this voice of the enemy, this voice that drives us into despair and despondency and isolation and loneliness. 
Uh, Luther writes famously in his Reformation hymn, A Mighty Fortress is Our God, these words, The old evil foe, Satan, now means deadly woe. Deep guile and great might are his dread arms in fight. On earth is not his equal. When we listen to Satan's lies during this corona mania, we go deeper and farther and longer until we are bound, tied, and fettered, stripped, took through into a waterless pit. Zechariah goes on to quote these words of our gracious God. Return to your stronghold, prisoners of hope. Of course, in 9-11 in Zechariah, he calls us prisoners, but, but now, now he modifies that. We are not just prisoners, we're prisoners of hope. Oh yeah, we are prisoners, no doubt, to the coronavirus. Everyone on the planet is a prisoner to this pandemic. But God invites us to see that we aren't prisoners of despair. We're not prisoners of hopelessness. We're not prisoners of unending pain. No, we're prisoners of what? Hope, hope. Biblical hope isn't knock on wood. Biblical hope isn't saying, well, I hope we get a lucky break. Biblical hope isn't a vague belief that somehow, some way, tomorrow will be better than today. No, biblical hope is grounded in covenant blood. That's what Zechariah chapter 9, verses 11 and 12 is all about. Because of the blood of my covenant with you. That's why there's freedom. (laughs) That's why there's hope. That's why we refuse to give in to despair. Because of the covenant blood. You see, when you're stuck in a pit, a waterless pit, you need someone from up there to come to you down here. And God does it. God does it. And he does it with covenant blood. The words covenant blood only appear one other time earlier in the Old Testament. Just as Zechariah used the word waterless pit to take us back to Joseph, now he's using the term covenant blood to take us back where? Exodus chapter 24, verse 8. Moses took the blood and threw it on the people and said, Behold, the blood of the covenant, here it is, that the Lord has made with you. God has just rescued his people Israel, right, from Egypt through the blood of the Passover lamb. God rescues people with blood, with Passover blood, with cleansing blood, with forgiving blood, finally, (laughs) finally with Christ's blood. That's what this night is all about. About a covenant of blood. Uh, Jesus begins his trail of blood in the upper room. Take drink. This is my blood of the covenant. 
And with that, the trail of blood begins in the upper room. It continues in the Garden of Gethsemane. Luke tells us that as Jesus prayed in Gethsemane, he sweat drops of blood. From the upper room to Gethsemane, the trail of blood then goes to Annas, one of the high priests that year, who has Jesus slapped and spit upon and then sent to Caiaphas, another high priest. Caiaphas has Jesus blindfolded and beaten. And the next morning, Annas and Caiaphas have Jesus sent to Pontius Pilate. A Pilate recognizes that this is a political hot potato, so Pilate has Jesus sent to Herod. Herod strips Jesus, puts a purple robe on him and a crown of thorns, sends him back to Pilate. Pilate has Jesus scourged just inches from death. Jesus then bears his crossbar on the Via Della Rosa to a place called Calvary. And there, nails are beaten into his tender flesh. It's a trail of blood from the upper room all the way to Calvary. Strip, took, through, just like Joseph. Only there's no waterless pit here. It would be a God-forsaken hill called Calvary. His friends had run away. His garments had been gambled away. His strength was ebbing away, and his father had turned away. All Jesus finally had was blood, but it was covenant blood. And with covenant blood, the sacrifice for your sin and mine is complete. The price paid. Paradise opened. Fear, anxiety, dread, gone. Luther heard this voice as well. The voice of the gospel. Uh, Luther writes about the first time he heard of the blood covenant of Jesus. He calls it his Tuburn Leibniz, his Tower experience. Luther said, when I heard the gospel and embraced it for the first time. I was born again. The gates of paradise were open. Because of covenant blood, we are not condemned for our sins. We are not stuck in the pain of our past. Because of covenant blood, we have confidence and courage for the future. No one can take this freedom from us, given to us in the covenant blood of Jesus. No quarantine or shelter in place can stop this freedom. And no power in heaven or hell can destroy it. (laughs) Yes, it is that rich, that cleansing, that powerful. What can wash away my sin? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. And the blood of Jesus sets people free. There's more freedom to come. As we grow in our relationship with Jesus, more and more prison doors are open. And finally, finally, when Christ returns, every believer will experience perfect freedom in the resurrection of the dead and the life of the world to come. Zechariah is not done yet, though. 
he concludes chapter 9, verse 12, with these words. Even today, God says through the prophet, I am declaring that I will restore you, free you, twofold. Today, do you see that? And Not tomorrow, not next week, not next year, not when the economy opens up. No, <laughs> there's covenant cleansing, freedom, giving blood today, right now, <laughs> today. And God restores twofold, twofold. Our God is a generous God, twofold. Jesus puts it this way, I've come that you may have life and have it abundantly. Paul puts it this way, where sin abounds, grace abounds all the more. John puts it this way, behold what manner of love the Father has given unto us today. This gift is yours today and is a twofold, abundant, abounding gift of freedom (laughs) in covenant blood. So whatever happened to Joseph? Remember that that 17-year-old who was thrown into the Waller's pit? Whatever happened to him? Fast forward. 20 years later, and the roles have reversed. Joseph is now calling the shots, right? He's prime minister in Egypt. And his brothers... (laughs) They're the ones wondering if Joseph is going to throw them into the waterless pit. Joseph doesn't do that, though. Not at all. Joseph utters some of the greatest words in the Bible. Genesis 50, verse 20. Joseph tells his brothers, his brothers, (laughs) he tells them, you meant it for evil, but God meant it for good. Folks, those are words spoken by someone who's free, (laughs) free from the past, free from anxiety and worry, free from revenge, free to live in resilience and courage. You meant it for evil, but God meant it for good, even in a pandemic. (laughs) So what's it all mean? According to Zechariah, This is what it means. We are free because of Christ's covenant blood. Free in every way. God's covenant blood in Jesus' name. That is God's gift for you. Today, amen.